Hello, Fantasy Disc Golf fans, and welcome to Chill Disc Days, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Matthew Williams, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams and Instagram at Chill Disc Days. I'd like to officially welcome you to episode number seven of Chill Disc Days. And on today's episode, we are going to take a look at your 2022 FPO leaders. We're going to take a look at the FPO leaders in the UDIS stack categories, take a look at your average finish leaders, and then give you an idea of the total FPO fantasy values. Starting off with the UDIS stack categories, and this is where I think... uh, you know, some of the strategy that we had talked about earlier, I think this could be real fun um, with like Evelina in that putt-putt category that we kind of talked about, like in relation with Giannis and the punt free throws. Um, really think getting into the categories will give you some more of that extra strategy um, between some of the throwers and the good putters. But starting off the way, we'll start with fairway hits leading the way, the aforementioned Evelina Solonen leading the way at 75% fairway hits. Coming in right behind, Kristen Tatar at 74%. Then you had Holland Handley and Haley King and Missy Gannon at 73%. Uh, Juliana Corver and Natalie Ryan, Hannah Blomroos at 72 And then you had Paige Pierce, Macy Villadiaz, Rebecca Cox at 71 And then Valerie Mondujano, Lindsay Fish, Katrina Allen, and Kona Panis, now Kona Montgomery. I'm not sure which one she prefers, which one she's going to go by, but she was at 70% as well. So looks like that 70 to 75 was leading the way. And then you had a bunch of people in the 60s. So I would say the probably the 65 to 70 is strong. 70 to 75 is real strong. Tapping out at that 75 by Evelina. Going over to parked percentage, you had leading the way was Kristen Tatar and Paige Pierce at 12% parked. Then you had Henna, Evelina, and Holland Handley at 11%. Um, you had Natalie Ryan, Ella Hansen, and Jennifer Allen at 10% parked. Then coming in at 9, you had Katrina Allen, Kat Merch, Madison Tamano, Haley King, Maria Oliva was 8%. Macy Villadiaz at 8 Juliana Corver at 8 Sarah Hokum. Aria Castruida. Valerie Mondojano and Rebecca Cox. And Katie Alsalo at 8% as well. So uh, looking like there's quite a bit of... There's a few 7s and 6s actually in there. Um, not a ton. But yeah, looking like that 5 to... Seven or eight is decent. Really, your top performers are in the 9 to 12% parked range. Getting over to the circle in regulation. Uh, leading the way was Evelina, so kind of reinforcing that that strategy with her in terms of like punt-putt, and we'll get into her putting once we get into that. But, you know, with the throwing, you know, you already saw her number one in fairway hits, um, third in parked and leading the way circle one in regulation at 41 percent Kristen Tarr was at 39 percent uh Natalie Ryan and Hannah Blomroos were at 
38. Then it looks like you had Page at 36. Ooh, small numbers. Uh, 36 or 35. Um, Holland Handley at 35. Haley King, Ella Hansen, Katrina Allen. Uh, they were at 34. Katrina Allen and Jennifer Allen were at 33% C1 regulation. Then you had Macy, Vela Diaz, and Kat Merch at 31. Uh, Maria Oliva, Juliana Corver, Missy Gannon, Kona Panis, Jessica Weiss, and Rebecca Cox were at that 30%. Um, Valerie Mondohano was the only one at 29. So looks like, you know, leading the way was 41%. And then you just had, what, around, you know, about 17 other players in the 30s. So uh, looking like you want that 30% range in the 30s is a solid um, getting in the C1 in regulation C2 in regulation Evelina leading the way at 65% followed by Kristen Tatar at 61 Paige Pierce at 60 Hannah Blomrose at 60 Haley King at 59 Natalie Ryan at 58 Holland Hanley at 57 Katrina Allen 56 Ella Hansen 55 then you had Juliana Corver, Missy Gannon, Jennifer Allen at 54, and Macy Vela Diaz at 53. So um, just four people getting into that 60 range for the C2 in regulation. And then looking like that 50s, you know, you want about half the holes you want to be in at least circle two um, for your birdie look. So it's kind of looking like what the FPO division is looking like in terms of C2 and regulation. Going to scramble percentage, finally seeing Owen's name up there. We had Owen Scoggins leading the way in your scramble percentage at 49%, probably thanks to her outstanding putting, saving some of those pars. And then uh, Valerie Mondujano at 47%, Missy Gannon at 47%, and Katrina Allen at 47%. Then you had Paige at 43%. Kristen Tatar at 42 with Jessica Weiss and Sarah Hokum at 41, Evelina at 41, and then Emily Beach at 40, Macy Veladiaz at 40, and then you had Ella Hansen at 39 and Madison Walker at 38. So own leading the way with that 49% and then looking like the 40s uh, behind that was pretty solid and then um, just a bunch of people in the 30s range, which was solid. You had, you know, Kona Panis was at 28. Um, Juliana Corver was at 27. So 40s were definitely good. You definitely probably want to be in at least the 30s. Have that touch game to save your par in case you're getting into any danger. And then we'll go to PPI. I think next, your precise power index um, leading the way was Natalie Ryan at 24.0. Uh, Haley King was second in PPI. And, and this is to kind of take it back, the precise power index, your, your longer holes to reach the green, not just in terms of distance, but really the throw it takes you to get to the green. So um, Natalie Ryan, Haley King, second, Paige Pierce, third, Hannah Blomers, fourth, now, Evelina Solonen at fifth. Uh, in the PPI, so you know, you know, she got the power. Maybe she's a little bit more of that precision on that index um, to get her up. Uh, Kristen Tarr was sixth. Then Emily Beach and Heidi Lane were tied 
at 15.5. Then you had Cat Merch and Ella Hansen tied. And then followed by Jennifer Allen, Holland Handley, Stacey Ronsley, Katrina Allen, uh, and then Chloe Alice and Rebecca Cox kind of rounding out your PPI. And getting into your putting. So, um, Scoggins leading the way at 84% C1X. And we kind of talked with the MPO about how that 80% was kind of the sweet spot. And it's looking like Own is really the only one that was able to get that C1X putting up. So I, I, I don't know uh, why the um, putting numbers aren't higher for the FPO division. I don't know why the um, why there's only one in the 80s considering you know the difference between FPO and MPO. It's not really a power thing, you know, inside 33 feet. So, you know, I'm just looking for more, you know, more players to get up into that 80 range. Um, owns the only one at 84%. Um, then you had the Mondahano sisters at Valerie at 79, Alexis at 77, um, Sarah Gilpin at 77, Heather Young at 77. Then you had Ellen Widboom at 76, Missy Gannon at 76, Kristen Tatar at 75, Lisa at 75, Paige Pierce at 74, Alex Benson at 74, Emily Beach at 74, Haley King at 74, Slew People at 74. So, um, Dan Carey, Zoe and Dyke, see, Haley King was at 74, Emily Beach, Alex Benson. Um, a lot of people at that 74 range. And, you know, I was curious, uh, I was just looking at Paige's numbers to see if maybe the um, 74% was an outlier. I mean, 74% was good for 10th in C1X putts, but you just think of Paige as such a great putter. I really thought that number would be higher, but in 2021, uh, she was a 76% C1X putter in 2020. She was 79%. So, she, yeah, she was third that year, definitely getting closer to that 80 range. But if you go to, like, 2018, she was a 65% C1X putter. 2017, she was 69%. And 2016, she was um, 78%. So, I think Paige, you know... She is a great putter, still a great player. Um, yeah, I guess I was just a little surprised to see those C1X putters not um, putting not closer to um, the 80% range for some of them. But um, Owen was leading the way. And the next closest was Valerie, 5% behind her. So um, in terms of putting, I think definitely you want the 70s. For the C1X putting, anything in the 60s is going to be uh, a little little iffy. You had like Holly Finley was at 68%, along with Maria Liv, uh, Oliva. Natalie Ryan was at 66%. And then uh, Evelina, talking about the punt putts, she was at 52% C1X putting. So uh, she was first in fairway hits, fourth in parked percentage, first in C1 in regulation, first C2 in regulation, Ninth and scramble, 13th and birdie percentage. Then you get to punt putts, 79th at 52%. And then C2, um, we'll just go at 8% for 57th. So 
Evelina kind of get an idea if we ever get to that category league, that punt putt strategy. But, you know, hopefully she can improve that because if she can, you'll look for her to definitely make big improvements in total finish. And then just to, to round it out, with that C2 putting, you had Owen Scoggins leading the way with a significant lead, uh, 31% C2 putting. We talked about how that was a, a sweet spot number two for C2 for MPO. The next closest was Ellie Bryant at 23%. Then you had Heather Young at 21% and Katrina Allen at 20%. So only four FPO players surpassing the 20% mark in C2. So um, just an observation right there. Um, you know, we talked about, yeah, that 30% was was a sweet spot in 25 to 30, definitely for MPO, but only four people in FPO getting to that 20% or above for C2 putting. Uh, you had Valerie Mondejano at 19%. Um, Allie Smith, the KC lady at 18% representing, got to know how to put in the wind out here. Paige Pierce, 17% C2. Missy Gannon, 17%. Uh, Emily Beach, 16 Holly Holland Handley, 16 Kristen Tatar, 16 So, yeah, Kristen, almost half the C2 percentage of Own, showing how much Own's crushing it. Then you had a um, few, uh, Ellen Windboom at 16 And then Maria Oliva and Alex Benson running out at that 15% C2. So, you know, not a ton of people even above that 15% mark so I think that's just a interesting observation you'll see some of these top players Jennifer Allen was at 6% C2 Juliana Corver is at 6% Henna Blomrus I don't know if this is a situation where a lot of them are just laying up um, from that range and not even not even running it um, like I said I'm still kind of newer to FPO so this will be pretty surface level analysis just getting into the numbers. But that's an observation. Maybe they are just laying up more and not going for those C2 putts. And that's why you're seeing a lower percentage is just because they're not running it. But some of these like 5% Kona Panis at 4%. Um, it's just a little... I get off-putting if you ever get to a category league. Um, but it looks like it's not keeping them back too far from their competition. So I think in terms of the FPO field, won't really be too worried with the the single digit C2 numbers, but just goes to show how good Owen is, man. 31% and 84 at C1X. She is crushing it on the putting green. Okay. So now to do just a kind of a little recap of 2022 on the FPO side in terms of average finish and then dive a little bit into the total fantasy value. Uh, no surprise leading the way in average finish was Kristen Tatar, an average finish in skip base events of 1.6. She did not finish outside the top three all year. She got third at LVC, second at Waco, second at Texas State, second at Champions Cup Major, third at Ledgestone. And then took first at Jonesboro, DDO, Des Moines Challenge, Worlds, GMC, and MVP Open. So, Kristen Tatar crushing at 1.6 average finish. Insane. Absolutely insane. And Johnny touched on you know her being potentially the number one pick next year. 
We will get into that in terms of her total fantasy value. I had her outside the top five. And we'll touch on that a little bit, but it is tied to the events played um, and, and kind of figuring out that waiver replacement value. But in terms of uh, program value, you're clear front runner. Kristen Tatar, 1.6 average finish. You had Paige Pierce with an average finish of 4.8 over 15 skip base events. So she finished outside the top 10 once at GMC. She got 18th. She got first to Texas State's OTB Open, the Preserve, and got the Champions Cup Major. Got second at LVC, third at MVP Open. So, I mean, definitely in the shadow of Kristen a bit this year, but Paige definitely put up a, uh, another outstanding year. Um, didn't get that sixth world title like Paul did, but still had a great year. She got another major this year and and three elite series wins so i mean that's a career year for most players so um another solid year for page um you had katrina allen with an average finish of 6.5 making every single skip base event last year walking away with wins at lvc and idlewild she got second at texas states third at waco second at ddo third at portland open Fourth at the Preserve, fourth at European Open, fifth at Champs Cup Major, fifth at Jonesboro. I mean, she was super consistent. The only time outside the top 10, she had a tough stretch at the end of the year. Uh, Des Moines Challenge 11th, Worlds 11th, GMC 24th, and 13th at MVP Open. Those were actually all of her outside top 10 finishes came at the very end of the year. So I don't know if it was a fatigue thing, maybe a mental, physical fatigue thing or whatnot, but solid year for Kat, 6.5 average finish, making every event. Uh, next up, you had Own Scoggins at an average finish of 6.0. I guess that was actually above Katrina Allen. And Own, she had two outside top finishes, 18th at LVC and 16th at the Preserve. Um, but she... You know, I had a lot of runner-ups, second at Portland Open, second at Ottawa, second at Great Lakes Open, second at Ledgestone Open. Wasn't quite able to get that win last year, but super consistent. Uh, putting definitely helped third at GMC. So, owns uh, putting skills definitely kept her crushing it. I think that's why, yeah, she was... First in scramble percentage. So, I mean, when she's, you know, off the fairway, giving herself a chance, you know, with that putting, she's able to convert and save par. So, I think her floor is just super high compared to a lot of the field. You know, she doesn't have that, like, elite distance that we're starting to see some of these some of these players get. But you saw just how much better her putting was compared to the field. So, I think you'll see, I don't, I wouldn't worry too much about her distance. I think, you know, she, and then she would just be such a fun player to have on your team and rooting for anyway. So super happy that, uh, Johnny's implementing FPO, you know, way you can get on on your roster and just watch her flexing on, uh, your opponents all year. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, coming in next, 
was Missy Gannon with an average finish of 7.1 over 15 skip base events. She was able to secure a win at Ledgestone. Some runner-ups at Jonesboro, Preserve, and Idlewild. She had, you know, some other top five finishes, fifth at Texas States, fourth at Worlds, and fourth at Green Mountain Championships. So um, had a few outside top finishes, like five. But overall, 7.1 average finish, 15 events, extremely experienced, and had a solid year last year. 8.3 average finish, Valerie Mondejano. Uh, she started off the year hot. That went at Waco, her first event of the year. Also got a win at Portland. And yeah, really, I think she had, I'm not sure how much she jumped up in the world rankings, but I know she was one of the FPO players that made a big jump last year. So I would look for her to continue making improvements. 14 skip base events, 8.3 average finish. Um, great year for Valor. Super consistent. Her worst finish was 17th at Idlewild. And then just a few other outside the top 10s, but great year for Valerie. And then with an average finish uh, 8.9 over seven skip base events, you had Henna Blomrus, 25th at LVC, but other than that, she only placed outside the top 10 once for the rest of the year at the Champions Cup Major, got 11th, 6th at Waco, 7th at Texas States, 9th at Des Moines Challenge, and then end of the year strong, 2nd at Worlds, 2nd at GMC, 9th um, at MVP Open. Another um, Finnish player like Evelina. Uh, Henna, you know, I've seen a bit of her, dude. She's got... And it's got game. She definitely can throw. She has third in parked percentage, fourth in C1 and C2 in regulation, uh, 58% C1X putting. So kind of like Evelina in the 50s on the putting, definitely hurt, and then 6% C2. So didn't realize the putting was so rough on that one, but definitely great thrower. I think what hurt her too was the seven events played. But, yeah, in terms of her throwing, um, she's definitely got a lot of skill, a lot of distance, and was able to put up an average finish at 8.9. So, curious to see kind of what her schedule is looking like next year, if she'll be in the States more. Um, coming in close behind her at 9.0 was Evelina. She made eight skip base events last year. Um, 27th at Texas State, 16th at... Champions Cup Major, but then had a runner-up at Des Moines Challenge. A lot of fifth-place finishes. Uh, fifth at LVC, fifth at the Preserve, fifth at Worlds, sixth at GMC, and sixth at MVP Open. So we kind of touched on Evelina, how much fun she could be in that future category leagues. We'll see if her and Henna are able to get that putting, um, C1X putting at to the 60s next year, I think, was what you're hoping to see from them. If they can start making some steady improvements on the putting green, you could see them make drastic improvements in the fantasy rankings. So uh, that will be, I think that's pretty much what everyone's keeping an eye on with um, Evelina for sure. And then Henna is, we'll see if they get that C1X putting around the 60s next year. Next up, you had 
Cap uh, Mersh with an average finish of 11.1 over 15 skip base events. I think she made a pretty big improvement. I think this was, she's still relatively new on the tour. I think it was only like her third, I think, full year. So still getting used to the courses and still getting that experience compared to, you know, those those players in front of her. But put up a solid year, didn't finish outside the top 20 all year. And looks like her best finish came third at Jonesboro. So solid year for Kat and just, I think, room for improvement for her. You had 12.2 Sarah Hokum. 12.2 average finish. She had 11 skip ace events and... Looks like her best finish came third at the Champions Cup Major. Six at the Great Lakes Open, fifth at the Moines Challenge. Um, solid year for, for Sarah. Um, had a couple outside top 20, but it was 21st LVC, 22nd at GMC. So super experienced. The forehand dominant player still, still, still going strong. Oh, and it looks like I'm a bit out of order. We're going to go back. Uh, Holland Handley, average finish at 10.1 over 11 skip base events. Worst finish was 19th at DDO. So she was solid. Uh, third at Worlds. Sixth at the Preserve. Fifth at Jonesboro. Yeah, wow. So Holland Handley, really her first full year on tour the former volleyball player coming in with an average finish of 10.1 that's super impressive so her stats very solid all around third in fairway hits at 73 percent fifth in parked percentage at 11 percent sixth in c1 regulation at 35 percent seventh c2 in regulation at 57 percent 72 percent c1x putts 16% C2 putts, which was 10th, third in birdie percentage, and 33% scramble. So Holland Hanley crushing it last year on her first full year on tour. And then you had Ella Hansen coming in close behind with an average finish of 11th over 14 skip base events. And looks like it was sort of like second year on tour, really. She had some solid performances. Third at Jonesboro, third at DDO, fourth at OTB Open, runner up at the Preserve, fourth at Idlewild. So definitely some great performances in there. I think her worst, she had the tough stretch, uh, 27th at Texas States and 28th at Champions Cup Major early in the year. Um, a little stretch. 15th at Great Lakes Open, 15th at Ledgestone, and 12th at Worlds. But Ella Hansen had a fantastic year, making 14 events. Jennifer Allen had an average finish of 12.2, which was tied with Sarah Hokum. She made 10 skip ace events last year. Worst finish was 21st at Ledgestone. So looks like she was, or I guess she was 25th at MVP Open, but that was not in skip ace, so... Looks like she was consistently pretty much between like 8 and 15 was pretty much her bread and butter. So uh, she's definitely uh, 
solid player, got that exaggerated reach back, and came in with an average finish of 12.2 over 10 events last year. And then you had Macy Villadias, who just had that extension with Dynamic Discs for, I believe it was a couple of years, and got promoted to their Supreme team. So she'll be definitely a, a name to look out for next year, but she had a fantastic year last year, 12.9 average finish over 10 skip base events. Worst finish, 34th at Ledgestone. Got third at Des Moines Challenge. Couple, a few six places at Great Lakes Open, Idlewild, and Waco. And yeah, looks like she had a solid year, 10 skip ace events. And just a couple outside top 20 finishes. Next up, you had Natalie Ryan. Had a couple do not finishes in there at LVC and Idlewild. Took first place at Great Lakes Open and MVP Open. And second place at OTB Open. So 11 skip ace events last year for an average finish of 13.4. We will probably get into her later with uh, later closer to, to draft to draft season, just kind of see how her situation plays out um, with the, the PDGA and, and what they end up ruling regarding, you know, transgender athletes in the FPO division. But um, Natalie Ryan had a very solid year last year, 13.4, got a couple wins, made 11 skip base events, um, worst finish, got 39th at Ledgestone and 26th at Jonesboro. But other than that, was pretty solid throughout the year. And I know that PPI, um, Natalie led the way. So kind of in the similar category to Henna and Evelina. Not quite as bad in the putting. She was 66% C1X. But her throwing, 38%, which was third for C1 in regulation. 58%, which was sixth, C2 in regulation. Fifth in birdie percentage, sixth in parked. So definitely relying on that throwing. But... Looks like it has more to work with than the putt. So, yeah, we will see what happens with her next year. And kind of just getting into, we won't get, we'll be a little more surface level on some of these other um, names rounding out your average finish because I really want to get into kind of the total values. But um, you had Alexis Madujano with an average finish of 17.7 over 14 skip base events. Maria Oliva. 18.7 over 15. Uh, Emily Beach was at 16.9 over 14 skip base events. Um, Jessica Weiss at 17.7. Lisa Kiss at 17.6. Rebecca Cox at 19.7. Madison Walker at 19.6. Deanne Carey, 21.7. Holly Finley, 22.7. Kitty Tati at 21.3, Vanessa Van Dyke in 21.4, Alex Benson 21.2 over 11. So just some names for some people who will be out there consistently on tour. You have Kona Panis, Kona Montgomery, Cynthia Ricciotti of 15 skip base events, average finish of 26th. You had Stacy Haas for an average finish of 27.8 over 12 skip ace events. So looking to transition into the total value. So since the FPO and MPO will be integrated next year, 
Well, we'll first start off with just talking about the total values for FPO. So I did something similar to what I did for like Chris Dickerson and Eagle in terms of trying to figure out the total value of like Kristen, because she made 10 skip ace events compared to 15 for Paige and 16 for Katrina Allen. So, you know, you had Johnny saying, is Kristen the number one pick? And I would have to give it a resounding no. And the reason would be, is the total value versus per game value. Per game, Kristen Tatar was absolutely number one. You know, that average finish of 1.6 is insane. That's three spots better than Paige. However, doing that kind of waiver replacement like with the MPO, the waiver replacement was around pick 50. With FPO, it was closer to 28. And, you know, I want to put an asterisk on using these total values because that waiver replacement, that's an average value of your waiver replacement. Like if if you pick someone off a waiver, you know, that's the average value. But it's going to be different, you know. you're The person you pick is not going to get 28.36. You can't get that number. They could finish 20th. You could pick, you know, you could be a great streamer. You know, you could be someone who is great at streaming. You know, you got a gut feeling who's going to play well. You know, the locals, you've been listening to my podcast and you got a great idea of who's going to stream. And let's say the people you pick have an average finish of 20th or 15th. Well, then shoot. Then Kristen is for sure closer to that top one overall player because the replacements aren't dragging down the value of that roster spot. Whereas Paige, you know, you just plug and play, you know, Paige and Cat, you can put their average finish in for the events and, and that's kind of where they're going to be. But it could also be worse, you know. Let's say you aren't as good as streaming and you just pick up the top PGA rated person off waivers and they end up getting 50th that week and you do that a few times and then Kristen, you know, those missed events really kill you. So in terms of total ranking, using that average finish just for total value, Kristen Tatar, she came in sixth. I had Paige Pierce number one, Katrina Allen number two, Missy Gannon number three, Valerie Manduhano number four, and then Owen Scoggins number five purely because of that total value. You know, Own made it to 12 events. She had an average finish of six. You know, that's fine. Um, you know, Cat, 16 events, Paige, 15, Missy Gannon, 15. So those events really, really push. But but then you have to look, Cat uh, Merch made 15 events. She had an average finish 11.13, but Kristen was able to finish ahead of her in total value with that replacement. So it's a it's a finicky formula. I don't think it's foolproof. You know, if you took Kristen over Valerie or Missy or own next year, no one's gonna give you crap for it. But if you take her over page or and then if we get into the mpo and we could talk about that in a second when you integrate those with the mpo but yeah i wouldn't take her over page 
I probably wouldn't take care of her cat. I think I would have her a third. And just because if she does bump up another gamer or vent or two, you know, that's nice. And also because I feel like I would have more confidence streaming um, just because I'm going to get into it more. So I would probably have her third between behind Paige and Cat. But yeah, that's just that's from a fantasy perspective as fantasy managers. You have to separate that that real life value with the fantasy value, you know, like do does. Oh, I'm just thinking, for example, like Jokic has been a crushing it, you know, number one fantasy MVP play, player. And I guess he did win the MVP. So that's not a great example. But in terms of uh, real life fantasy players crushing it, I don't know, like LeBron, one of the greats. But would you take him with your number one overall pick? Probably not, um, just in terms of his fantasy game. So I just think you have to separate that real life value from fantasy value. And if, if, uh, Kristen made all 15 skip base events or 16, she made 14. If she made 13 or 14, oh, let's, let's do the math real quick. Yeah. If she made 13 events, she would bump up to your third. And if she would made 14, she would have bumped up to your first overall player. So, it really is tied to the events played and the replacement that you have for her in terms of that total value. Then getting into, you know, where do you where do you rank her with in terms of like MPO? Because MPO, your replacements are in the 50s, you know, around 50 instead of around 28. You have to consider how many roster slots you're having so you know if you're having um let's say you have you know 10 people you're starting seven mpo and three fpo you know that that fpo replacement is not going to hurt you as much whereas if you wait like let's say you take you know let's say you for example took kristen star first overall passed on like gannon calvin paul ricky those guys who could get you an average finish in the top 10 and your first player is let's say like your first round pick is let's say Kevin Jones he had an average finish of 16.94 so that's like eight spots behind Calvin Ricky and Paul whereas if you waited in FPO, your first pick was Cat. She is an 11.1. I guess that would be like a 10 difference. Uh, the difference between Chris, uh, like Paige Pierce and Cat, would be like a six place separation. It, it's it's going to be a little finicky formula to figure out in terms of um, how to integrate the rankings. I think. I think you have to like give the edge to the MPO players at the top. Like when you're building your team and you're at the top of your draft, I think you want the top MPO players more than the top FPO players because your MPO players towards the back end are getting you, you know, anywhere from like, it, like they could end up in the 70s to 100s where your FPO 
if you pick up pick up someone off waivers you know they're more likely a bad week is going to get you in like the 30s or 40s you know not the 80s and 90s so that's why i think you will have to give the edge to the mpo uh, players just because that drop off on the waivers in terms of this total score is going to be less harsh if you really solidify your mpo players and have them consistently performing i think the drop off on fpo isn't as strong but this is preliminary that's still trying to figure out those those values but really wanted to mainly touch on like that Kristen like she will not if if uh you know someone takes her number one overall next year ahead of Gannon or or Paul or even Paige and you wanted her I mean you just you just tip your cap to them and know that you'll probably do better than them in fantasy yeah they will be feeling themselves really hard when Kristen's getting those first place finishes but you know when they're struggling on the on the weeks that she's off and you've got a solid squad all around and you end up beating them in the fantasy finishes at the end you'll know you made the right move holding off on taking Kristen with that top overall pick despite her dominance so that's just a little lesson on total fantasy value um, like I said, this was pretty preliminary, uh, pretty pretty surface level on the FPO side. Um, definitely gonna hopefully get into more detail with like the draft guide got coming, trying to figure out that ideal value between MPO and FPO, and definitely get into it more throughout the season. But I think that will do it for this episode of Chill Distays, a sports ethos presentation. Again, I am your host Matthew Williams. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams and Instagram at Chill Distes. And next episode, we will get into kind of what I touched on at the end of the last one with the young guns and the old man squad. We are going to get into some of the young guns in both MPO and FPO. Look at some of your younger players who could be poised for a big breakout next season. And then after that, we will do the old man slash old woman squad. Look at some of your more tenured players and what to expect from them. Thank you so much for listening. And may all your bogeys become birdies.